Welcome to Kept Secrets. You're listening to episode number 26. I am your host, Nikki Rothrock. This podcast is a way that I try to help others who have also experienced childhood sexual abuse, neglect, or trauma. I will discuss my personal experiences and the treatments that helped heal the brokenness. My abuse started as early as five to six years old and by more than 20 different perpetrators. There's a long history, but I've created this podcast in hopes of helping one person. I hope that person is you. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Um, I don't remember. I didn't do this last week because my, oh, the last two weeks because my oldest stepson was here and my husband is not bowling anymore. So I had to, I wouldn't have any privacy. So that's why I didn't do it. Um, Today, stepson went back home and my husband is subbing. So I got the evening, just got home from work. Um, Tonight, we are going to talk about a little bit that has to do with what we did last time, which was how childhood trauma may affect your adult relationships. The next little phase is what are the long-term effects of childhood trauma? So when I was in graduate school, I did, my expertise was about the long-term side effects of childhood sexual abuse. So this is a little bit different because it's all kinds of trauma, and I'll get into that. Um, But you might have long-term side effects, and you don't even know. So tonight, hopefully, maybe the little light bulb will go off, and you'll be able to understand maybe why you feel, act, or do some of the things that you do or feel. Um, so let's get into this. This is an article that I found on integrativelifecenter.com. Um, and I'm happy to post the link to this particular article on the Facebook group. Uh, just let me know if you're interested, just send me a message and I'm happy to do that for reference. Um, so the article talks about what is childhood trauma? So almost everyone experiences trauma through their lives or throughout their lives. But what are the long-term effects of childhood trauma? Do these events cause a ripple effect throughout our lives? It's a question. In a short answer, the answer is yes. There are many adverse long-term effects of childhood trauma that stay with people throughout their lives. For some, the consequences are more severe than for others. The best thing you can do is try and process your trauma and help and support, or with help and support from a professional. Understanding the long-term impacts of your trauma can also help you turn things around. And I'm not talking about turning your car around, even if you ask my husband, he says, I need help with that. So, um, let me move my stuff around, sorry. Okay, so the first one, we're going to define what childhood trauma really is. So childhood trauma is just as it sounds. It's a traumatic event or events that happen before you become an adult. Excuse me. Adverse childhood experiences come in many forms and look different from person to person. Some people even suffer from memory loss caused by the childhood trauma. ACE, which is adverse childhood experiences, fall into four main categories. You wondering what those four main categories are? (laughs) It's the suspense. It's killing you, right? Okay. So the first one is abuse. 
This one is a little obvious um, because that includes physical, verbal, emotional, and sexual abuse. So example of physical abuse would be maybe an overpunishment. Um, an example that I have, I think I've told you guys this before, I got in trouble, um, I think I was in fifth grade, fifth or sixth grade, one of these little pair of suede booties back in the 90s, which actually just came back like a couple years ago, which is funny. Um, I wanted them and they were at Walmart and they were only $10 and I told my, I asked my mom if I could get them and she said no. Uh, the next day, honestly, it was the next day, I went to Walmart with my dad because we were doing Christmas shopping for my stepmother and I showed them to him and I was like, can I please get these? And he bought them for me. Okay. Innocent enough. I got home that night that it was a Sunday night. Um, I, it was about seven o'clock. I got home and I was so excited that I got the boots from my dad. I was telling my mom and my stepdad about it. I was like, I got these awesome boots. You know, and mom, my mom about lost her mind. She was so mad at me. She made Tom punish me because, quote, she couldn't even look at me. Um, so my punishment consisted of going to their bedroom, bending over the bed, being paddled. But not before Tom would say to me, you know, I don't want to do this, but I have to do it because your mom is here. Okay, that's really confusing. <laughs> that's one part of it. Uh, the second part would be the one part that I still to this day cannot understand why my mother let this happen. I was a big kid. I'm still a big person. Um, not a secret. And... I was probably in at this age I was probably about 240 pounds. Severely over overweight for my age. Um so I was a big kid. So I my punishment when we came back into the living room where my mother was uh was to stand in the corner, which is understandable. My mom, my stepmother used to put me in the corner all the time for stupid stuff. The only exception and the part that screams abuse is that I had to stand on my tippy toes with toothpicks under my heels. I was not allowed to touch the wall. I had to stand there and balance that 240 pound body while my mother and my stepfather sat with, uh, within like 10 feet of me watching television. I remember it being a long time. I want to say it was a couple of hours and my calves hurt the bottoms of my feet hurt from you know like stretching and standing on your tippy toes and you know I don't know how I did it you guys but I did and that is 100% abuse don't ever the paddling some people don't believe in paddling your children um but it was a different time and I can understand being paddled, okay? I totally understand that. The way I was paddled, the conversation that was had before that with my stepfather, who was also sexually abusing me at the time, was abused. Okay, mine is kind of like a, a bunch of things wrapped up in one. But the overpunishment 
of the toothpicks under my heels, knowing that that would be painful for me, knowing that it was almost physically impossible for my 240 pound body to stand on my tippy toes. That was abuse. Okay. So in that particular scenario, you have physical abuse. I wouldn't really, maybe I'm wrong here, but I wouldn't really say there was verbal abuse. I mean, I wasn't made fun of. I wasn't um, told I was stupid. I wasn't, I was told not to play my mother and father against each other. And when my mother tells me no, I am not to go to my father and ask for something because she told me no. Lesson 100% learned, okay? So I wouldn't say that there was verbal in that. Emotional, yes, 100% because Tom had to punish me because my mother wouldn't do it. Um, the emotional abuse there was that I was in the mindset that Tom loved me and was there to protect me, yet he was punishing me. So that is extremely confusing for a 10 or 12-year-old. Um, I really, I think I was 10. I was either 10 or 11. Um, so that is extremely emotional abuse. It's so freaking confusing. Um, and then the sexual abuse didn't happen in that particular scenario, but it was ongoing at that time. Okay, moving on. Number two. So the first one was abuse. Number two, neglect. These are the four main categories of adverse childhood experiences. Number two is neglect. This category consists of physical and emotional neglect. Physical neglect would be, and I don't know if it is a stretch saying that my mother physically neglected me because of my weight problem. You know, there was not uh, healthy food. There, you know, it was fast food, potato chips, candy, ice cream, things that I really wanted that kept me quiet and out of her hair. So that is... I mean, she wouldn't go to jail for that, I guess, but it would be considered neglectful because I was not, I was not being taken care of. And the home we lived in was extremely, uh, it wasn't that bad when we lived in this particular location. It wasn't great. Uh, feces on the floor, trash piled up, dirty clothes piled up. Um, a few animals in the home and, uh, you know, maybe like dishes piled up with, I mean, like dirty dishes and they were there long enough that they had like a bad smell. They might've had some flies, you know, that kind of stuff is very, it's a bad living environment for a kid. I'm not saying... <laughs> do your dishes every night because that's some people might do that. Um, my husband and I are not those kind of people. So, you know, if, if there's a few, a couple dishes in the sink, we'll throw them in the dishwasher, but we don't have bugs and stinky smells. Um, you know, you got, I think you guys can understand what that line is. <clears throat> Emotional neglect would be not being emotionally available for your child. So my mother, I love my mother. I don't want you guys to think that I'm crapping on her 
She did the best that she could with what she had. I have to believe that or I will go crazy. So some people might think I'm fooling myself, but I'm really not. This is, um, this is just what it is, what it is. I hate that saying, but it is what it is. So I'm able to pick out things that she did that could have been um, emotionally neglectful or emotionally traumatizing for me. Um, I'm trying to, when I I remember being four years old, my brother, we were in the home that we lived in when my brother was born. And I vividly remember sitting on her lap, facing her and hugging her, like, you know, around her neck, like little kids do. And I went to kiss her and she smacked the back of my head so hard. She's like, we don't do that. And as a a little girl, I just wanted to love on my mom, my mommy, you know, like a four-year-old. And so from that moment on, I don't remember ever feeling um, that kind of connection with her. There was, you know, there would be like a hug every once in a while. You know, I'd give anything to hug her now, obviously, but... Um, it, she was very unavailable for me emotionally. Um, I don't know why. I don't know if something happened to her. I do know she had a lot of drama in her own life with her boyfriends and husbands and, um, ex-husbands and, ex-husbands, girlfriends, or wives, that'd be my stepmother. Um, But she was just not emotionally available when I was little. You know, there would be... So that's where Tom picked up. And he became that person that gave me love and attention. I say love very loosely. That is what I thought it was then. Now, obviously, I know that's not the case. excuse me um so when Tom did that I didn't go to my mother for that kind of attention to be honest with you she and I started having um I I had very uh hard feelings toward her Tom would tell me things that would play me against her and that's another episode I think so anyway the emotional neglect she's just not being emotionally available you should as a parent you should make your child feel safe and loved nurtured um, and I think that's where my friend Janet picked up when I was an adult uh, you know she always had the kindest things to say When she found out that Ryan and I were back together, she was a little skeptical at first because it was not too long after his separation or divorce from his children's mother, but only because she was protective of me. And when she found out that we were getting married, she she was excited for me. Um, Obviously, my mother was not alive when that happened, but... Um, anyway, so Janet kind of brought up, 
for me, that nurturing parent figure. But she was also my friend, you know, kind of like an older sister, but she also was, and Janet did not have children of her own. So we both played a role for each other that we didn't know we needed from the other person, you know? Um, Janet was very good for me emotionally. Um, She helped me build a relationship with God. She helped me understand what it was like to be a decent wife or a biblical wife. Um, And I'm not saying that as in old school biblical. I mean, just loving my husband and being a good good wife to him, which I'm not going to lie, you guys, I could do better. I could do better at a lot of things. But Janet taught me that. That was something my mother did not teach me because my mother didn't really know herself. So... Okay, sorry for the long, uh, what do you call it? It's not really a tangent, but anyway, I went off the rails there. So the third main category for adverse childhood experiences would be household challenges. A child may experience various challenges in the home. The category consists of parental divorce, separation, death, or abandonment poverty or homelessness, bearing witness to physical or emotional abuse, substance use disorder or mental illness within the family or the home, serious accidents or illness of a loved one, the death of a pet or a loved one. That is all. (laughs) I'm sorry. Um, so I can, I can understand the parents' divorce and the separation. Definitely can understand the death or abandonment. Um, those can be so traumatic for kids. It, shoot, they can be traumatic for teenagers. Um, poverty or homelessness can be very challenging for children because they just simply don't understand. Um, We were never homeless, and that is because of my mother's father. He was very helpful with making sure that we had a place to live. Um, Poverty, we were poor, um, but we always had food. It wasn't like welfare poor. Like My mother could not get on welfare, and I'm not exactly sure why. I know she tried once, and they denied her, and she never really tried again. So, um, you know, we always we had food, we had clothing, we had shelter, even though it may not have been ideal. Um, I went to school. I did not have medical treatment, or you know, I didn't. I didn't go to the doctor. I just went to the dentist last week. I had to, I was so embarrassed because of the physical neglect of being a child and not going to the dentist ever until I was 18 years old. And I went the first time because I had a cavity and it hurt like a mother. So I went to, I just like looked up in the phone book for you people that don't know what a phone book is. It was kind of like Google, but in a book, um, 
so I, I went to this surgeon because I wanted the tooth pulled out. And so I did that twice, like pretty close together, I think. And then when I got my first full-time job, I had dental insurance and I didn't know what that meant. And they're like, oh, you can go get your teeth cleaned and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what that? what's that? I clean my teeth every day when I brush them. They're like, no, you can go. So I went and then realized that I had so many cavities. Um, I, had, uh, I had so much, so many fillings. Um, and then I was really honked off when I realized... <laughs> that I didn't have to have those two teeth pulled, that they could have just filled the suckers. And so here I am talking to my dentist about implants in these two teeth, where the teeth were, and I was like, just kind of embarrassed because I was like, yeah, I had them pulled when I was like 18 because I didn't know that I could get fillings. So teach your kids about teeth <laughs> and dental health because... You know, it it just, it is what it is. Okay, so we were poor. We didn't have insurance. Um, bearing witness to physical or emotional abuse. What does that mean? Um, if mom and, mom and dad or mom and boyfriend, dad and girlfriend, whoever the parental figures are for the children, are constantly fighting and yelling and screaming at each other, throwing things at each other, hitting each other, saying terrible things to each other in front of the children. That is them bearing witness to emotional abuse. Um, simple example would be dad's mad because uh, mom didn't have dinner. This is, <laughs> this is dumb. He's mad because mom didn't have dinner ready when he got home from work because mom just got home from work and she was busy. I don't know what doing stuff with the kids and dad's like where's my effing dinner and mom's like I've been busy and he hauls off and smacks her or punches her because he's hungry and his woman should have had her food on the table for him when a child sees that kind of behavior one they become sort of scared I would say of the abuser two they realize that they can treat the victim uh, differently because dad or the abuser treated them differently. So for example, if you um, are in a relationship or uh, there's children around and um, mom and dad just don't see eye to eye on things, you know, take it somewhere else. The kids don't need to overhear that. Yeah, kids are sneaky. They stick their head in the bedroom doors and listen to stuff they shouldn't or they overhear things and then they internalize everything. But a parent should never say to the child something negative about the other parent. And what I mean by that is something like, your mom's a whore. <laughs> she slept with the whole police department and I don't even know if you're my kid. Don't say that to your kids because it's terrible. It makes the child feel not wanted. It makes them feel like it's their fault that they're all unhappy. Um, don't say things like that. You know, kids need to be filled with 
kind words and um, don't call your kids stupid. That's bad. Um, and I know some of you are like, well, how would you know? You don't even have kids. No, but I was that kid. And it effed up things for me. And it's not, I just don't want other people to do it to their kids because it's not cool. Okay. Um, so that is part of the physical and emotional abuse. Substance use or mental illness within a family or home. Uh, alcoholism, drug addiction, um, Mental illness can be very difficult with little kids or, or even teenagers. Untreat, untreated mental illness, bipolar disorder, um, schizophrenia, things like that that cause not very, it doesn't, it's just not very consistent for the children. You know, there's ups and downs and um, all, it just gets, too much for the child to understand. Is mom going to be drinking her alcohol tonight? Is she's going to get mean? Or she's, I'll ask mom when she's drunk, you know. Little kids don't need to be a part of that. Like I said, you need to be their safe place. I'm not saying you. I'm just saying parents should be the safe place, in my opinion. Um... So untreated mental illness is, is a big one because even in my own family with my brother, I believe he has some untreated mental illness, whether it's bipolar. I know he has um, a substance issue. Um, he... I think there is some sort of like bipolar or even schizophrenia just in, I'm not a doctor, so this is just my opinion, but he refuses, or he did before he got incarcerated, he, he refused to get help because he said he didn't need it. Well, I know you pretty well, bro, and I think that you need to do it, so. Um, serious accidents or illnesses of a loved one. You know, a parent that might be struggling with cancer treatments, um, maybe a serious accident where dad, mom or dad are now, um, or even a sibling, are paralyzed and everything changes because now they have to be in a wheelchair or, you know, things like that can be pretty traumatic for, for young, young kids. And the death of a pet or loved one. So, uh... Kids tend to, you know, they don't understand death for the most part. Um, so they might internalize some of that. You know, like if I had been a better kid, then my dad wouldn't have died. Or maybe if uh, mom or dad or, or someone in the family was driving to pick them up from school and they got into an accident, died, or um, became severely um, injured because of the accident, the child could internalize that. So it's good to keep awareness of what your child is dealing with and have talks with them and be like, you know, I'm going to need you to open up a little bit kiddo and tell me what's going on okay community incidents 
are things that happen within the community that impact a child, including natural disasters, terrorism, community violence, school violence, or social rejection, also known as bullying. Um, or it could be bullying. These experiences are challenges for a fully developed adult mind to process as well. They're even more challenging for a child to cope with. Experiencing ACE, <laughs> ACEs can put you at an elevated risk for a substance abuse, substance use disorder, health issues, and mental health struggles, even through adulthood. Okay, so does everyone have long-term consequences of childhood trauma? Good question. Not everyone who experiences childhood trauma has long-term consequences. Many circumstances influence how traumatic an event may be on you and your ability to cope with it. Five major influences of childhood trauma. One, how serious was the event? Severity is subjective, but it matters. Were you seriously physically hurt? Was your life in danger? Did you lose a loved one? Depending on your developmental stages and the traumatic events impact on your daily life, the effects could vary. How close was the trauma to you? Trauma can impact people who aren't even close to us. Example, um, the week before last, um, someone who I saw every single Saturday at the racetrack that my husband and I work at. He, um, he was 18. He committed suicide. He was Hispanic, and I guess there was some kind of cultural thing. Um, <coughs> excuse me, there was some abuse with his parents, you know, like putting a lot of pressure on a kid that was trying to finish high school, work to take care of his home. Um, I didn't, I don't understand that um, culture, but knowing that he was struggling enough that he felt his only option was to, you know, to commit suicide. It broke my heart. It's, it's still to this day when I think of him. And I mean, it's only been a couple of weeks, but I, my heart hurts because this poor boy was 18 years old. And that was the only thing that he thought he could do to fix it. Um, so I didn't interact with him every single day. I didn't, I didn't even know where he went to school at the time when I was working with him. I honestly thought he was in his 20s. I didn't even know he was in high school. But now that he is gone and I think more about I think about him every day right now because it's it's very fresh in all of our minds. Excuse me. And you know, any time that someone I know whether it be close or distant, has passed. I always think about them a lot after they've passed. As an adult, this is me as an adult. So as a child, if something like this happens, and it's, it's, it can be very traumatic. But what my, what my point was in telling you that was this was not a very close trauma to me. I didn't really know him but it still affects me. You know, it's like that ripple effect. Um, so 
Often the closer you are, the more significant the impact of the trauma that the trauma has. Whether you're a victim, witness, or it has something it was something that you learned about determines how severe an effect the trauma has on you. Um another out of the five, we have how serious was the event. Number two was how close the trauma was to you. Number three, how did your caregivers react to the trauma? Feeling understood by your parents or caregivers caregivers provides feelings of atonement and trust. Maybe it's attunement. <laughs> Sorry. Attunement can help you feel accepted, loved, and better prepared to cope with trauma. Um. When I was 12, I think I've told you guys this story about Evan, my friend who was much older than me. He, he um, had a hunting accident and he passed away and I really liked him. I didn't understand. I had a lot of internal issues because of the abuse with Tom, um, a lot of bargaining with God thinking, you know, I think at the time I was, I was 12, I thought I might be uh, pregnant which would have been terrible. Um, and I remember crying in the shower, praying. And this was, I had a relationship with God at the time, but it wasn't, it was, it was, uh, I didn't really understand that relationship as well as I do now. So I was like asking God, I was like, or just like bargaining with him. And I was like, you know, you can take anybody away from me that I love. Just please don't let me be pregnant. I don't think that, you know, my, I don't know what would happen if that happened. And then days later, Evan died. And I felt guilty for that up until my 20s. Um, I, as an adult, I'm like, I have no control over that. But as a 12-year-old who is asking a higher power to help her <clears throat> to be in a situation better than the situation she was currently in. I felt responsible. You know, if I hadn't said, you can take anybody away from me that I love, just don't let me be pregnant. Now, it would have really been honked off if I would, had ended up being pregnant and Evan died. You know, that wouldn't be very nice. I'm not, anyway, <laughs> I shouldn't say that. So, my, I remember talking with my mom a lot about this and my, my interest turned very dark then. Um, it was a lot of reading about death and, um, just like, I just wanted to be out of the situation that I was in. And I thought that being wherever Evan was, was where I wanted to be. As weird as it sounds, my 12-year-old brain was like, that's what I'm going for. So my mom, I don't think really understood that. Uh, we talked a little bit about death and she didn't really give me much spiritual guidance then. Um, so, I mean... I don't really know that I processed it health in a healthy way back then. Um, number four, was there previous trauma? P 
People experience many types of trauma throughout their lives. Suppose you already had a history of traumatic events occurring in your home or life. In that case, it could amplify the impact and the trauma and, and, and <laughs> sorry, it could amplify the impact that the trauma has on you, which makes sense. Um, some people just seem to have that, the story of, you know, when I was a kid, my, my parents got divorced, my dad beat my mother, or my mother beat my dad, or my dad was an alcoholic, or um, I was sexually abused, and then as an adult, or as a teenager, the, the traumas just keep snowballing, and then you, you just internalize it, and it just becomes more of like that hopeless feeling of not being able to be happy because all this bad stuff is happening to you. I don't know if you guys understand what I'm trying to say. But when something traumatic happens to you or your child, it's good to kind of, what is that, nip it in the bud or whatever and maybe get some treatment. Um, just talk it out. You'll be surprised how much better you'll feel. Uh, number five, was there support or backlash from your community? This is interesting. Our communities and social identities impact us in countless ways, whether that is your race, ethnicity, culture, socio or socioeconomic status. Those around you respond differently to traumatic events. Having a supportive community can positively impact a child and reduce the long-term risks of childhood trauma. So they're not talking about like your neighborhood community. They're talking more about like your people that you're around, like your friends, family, uh, loved ones, church family, school friends, um, maybe guidance council, you know, your community, not like your neighborhood. Um, so the five major influences of childhood trauma. We got how serious was the event? How close was the trauma to you? How, does your, how did your caregivers react to the trauma? Was there previous trauma? And number five, was there support or backlash from your community? So like for an example of backlash, like um, for myself, the community that I had when I was 15 and disclosed the um, abuse with Tom the community that we spent a lot of time in was the bowling alley. So, you know, it was very split. A lot of people didn't believe me. A lot of people said I made it up. Some people did believe me, not very many, because Tom was, quote unquote, such a great guy. How could he do that? People just need to take the blinders off, you know. So I got a lot of backlash, Um you know, being called a liar, fat ass, you know, just trying to get attention, um, making it all up. Some people even thought that my mom made it up, but she didn't. It wasn't made up. It happened. So, um, probably gonna roll through the next couple pages a little quickly. 
what are the long-term effects of childhood trauma? In the moment of the trauma and immediately after, your brain and body undergo neurochemical and biological reactions. Your body attempts to return to the state of calm and cope with the situation, but these adverse experiences often cause a ripple effect throughout your life. Um, <laughs> that is a very interesting sentence or paragraph. So health risks associated with childhood trauma. I have a few of these, a couple of these maybe. Okay, maybe just two. Um, when you experience a traumatic event, an avalanche of activity happens in your body and mind. The sudden burst of stress hormones in your body that cause you to go into fight or flight mode can stay with you, wrecking havoc on your physical health. People who experience childhood trauma are at a higher risk of developing heart disease, diabetes, cancer, stroke, obesity, and addiction are just some. Um, so if I was to assess my mother, <laughs> thinking that, you know, just in these six things, maybe thinking, maybe she did have some trauma. I don't know. Uh, she had heart disease, diabetes, the heart disease was caused because of the diabetes. She wasn't really... So Archie has decided to join us. I got wise this week and I gave him a chew stick. So for the last 40 minutes, he's been chewing on that. Now he's bored and he wants to come and say hi. Um, so let's talk about myself in this. People who experience childhood trauma are at a higher risk of developing heart disease. Thank God I don't have that right now that I know of. Stop. Diabetes, I don't have that. Honestly, I think I'm more insulin resistant. Um, cancer. <laughs> what? I don't have that right now. Uh, there was a scare when I was in my 20s, uh, some cervical issues, but that was taken care of and has been okay. Stroke, I think isn't that caused by high blood pressure. So I have high blood pressure because of my weight and stress. So I now take blood pressure medication. I think I'm kind of stressed because of my dog. Now I'm going to have to give him another chew stick. And now I'm setting a precedent. So now next week he's going to want to get two chew sticks in this hour. <sighs> I'm so dumb. <laughs> okay. So then the next one is obesity. Um... If you don't already know, I have that or I am that or whatever. And I 100, 1,000 million, trillion percent will always say that my obesity is, my tr is a part of my trauma. And this is one thing that I've tried to talk about a little bit now because, um, you know, when, you, when I went through all of the treatment and I felt... Go get your, go eat your chew stick. I went through the treatment and I felt great. Life was good, but I'm still big. I was like, ugh, why can't I lose weight? Why? One, I think it's honestly because of the insulin dependency. Two, uh, insulin, I think that's it. Two, some people who are traumatized 
when you look at, let's say you got a skinny person and a big person standing next to each other. Um, they've both been sexually abused as children. <clears throat> they've both been um, treated for the sexual abuse. How am I trying to say this? Because I remember saying to Beth one time, I said, when I was thinking about and honestly, you guys, I am thinking about getting weight loss surgery. I, since I've been back to the job that I'm at now, I have already gained like, I don't know, 30, 28 pounds of the 48 pounds I lost. I'm so pissed at myself for this. But I am a stress eater. Um, food is a comfort for me. So I was talking to my doctor about it, and y'all probably don't even care about this, but if you struggle with weight, trauma has a huge, a huge impact. I mean, it is, for me, it is the one thing that is left from my childhood trauma. The one thing. And it just so happens to be the one thing that everybody who looks at me can see. That just sucks. Because... As a professional person, I'm not really professional, okay? I'm so unprofessional. <laughs> I've got, that's what she said jokes, cracking all the time. I'm like, oh, whatever. Um, but as a professional, I 100% feel, and it has been, um, I don't want to say confirmed, but agreed upon, that if there was two people, one was thin, one was bigger, for the same position, same qualifications, the smaller person would be picked. As crappy as that is in our society, that sucks. Because I, I feel like I have a lot to offer, but they're not going to know that. Because when they see me, they see my size. They think I'm, you know, a fat, sloppy, lazy, sit and eat all the time kind of person. And I, I'm not going to get my work done. Well, I'm not going to say I'm not lazy, and I know that I'm big, but I will work extremely hard to get my job done, and I gave you another one. Go get it. I'm just saying, don't judge a book by its cover. You don't know what that big person has been through. You know, I, I tend to look at people a little differently because of what I'm experiencing now. But, you know, I'm 44 and I want to be more professional in my, my career. Meaning I want to be more involved with clients. I want to be more involved with people in our company who are national. And one, my size might hinder me from traveling. Um. We'll find out next summer when I fly to San Francisco to go to Alaska. I'm terrified of the flying, just so you know, because my biggest fear is not fitting in the seat. Why am I even having this conversation? I'm just saying my, uh, my trauma is my weight. Uh, that is the last thing that I need to deal with. So my thought, I was talking to my doctor and he's like, you know, you can, you can go to a bariatric surgeon and go through the program, the, the pre-surgery stuff, 
and find useful tools that will help you and not even have to have surgery. And I was like, oh, I kind of like that because, you know, maybe there's a therapist in there that is specializing in obesity issues. So I think that might be the path that I'm going to go on. Um, We'll find out. Anyway, I'm so sorry that I'm like, I have like 10 minutes left. Um, an addiction. Um, somebody asked me, a listener asked me about if I would do an episode about addiction caused by trauma. And I, I will be thinking about that because I did do a presentation in grad school um, about how sexual abuse and neglect can cause certain things in adults. One was addiction and one was obesity. And the the addiction for myself at the time, and maybe a little bit every once in a while, was gambling, slot machines. And you know why? Because I sit there and I zone out. And there's all this like, uh, scientific stuff that they say that, you know, like the sex hormone that when you're playing a slot machine, that goes off like a hundred times a minute in your brain because of the lights and the sounds and, you know, just all of that. So that's addicting. That feeling is what is addicting. Um, and if you don't, I don't know enough about that to talk about it, but I know that from some self-reflection and, and, um, Thinking about it myself, that's what my personal thing is. Um, Emotional risks associated with childhood trauma. The emotional and psychological damage that childhood trauma can cause may be some of the most detrimental long-term effects. Unable to cope with the stress of the situation, you may feel the traumatic impact for many, many years. Emotional concerns associated with childhood trauma include anger and aggression, anxiety, lack of trust, low self-esteem, changing in appetite, development of new fears, which could go along with the anxiety, uh, increased thoughts about safety or death, loss of interest in otherwise fun activities, self-destructive behavior, and suicidal ideation. I can't say that word, sorry. Um... I wish I had more time to talk about those because honestly, check, 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 check on a lot of those for myself, just from the trauma. Environmental risks associated with childhood trauma, your mental health and physical well-being can also cause further damage to your intimate life and career path. Emotional (laughs) volatility, I sometimes have to sound out the words like a little baby. (laughs) emotional volatility due to the childhood trauma can cause problems even in adult relationships environmental risks associated with childhood trauma include poor job performance relationship challenges with parents and friends difficulty maintaining routines or accomplishing daily tasks poor academic performance it's like my brother my brother my brother my brother that's and I'm not saying I didn't have any of those either but Trauma, trauma, trauma. (sighs) Healing the effects of childhood trauma 
at Integrative Life Center, which is this, uh, the uh, author of this article. Everyone experiences and possesses trauma differently, possesses, processes trauma differently. Learning the tools to help you cope and overcome your childhood trauma can help mitigate the risk for adverse long-term consequences. And then it goes on to say, and I'll go ahead and, I mean, it's just a couple lines. I'll read it just because, you know, they put this article together. The Integrative Life Center, at Integrative Life Center, we offer trauma-informed therapy to help you overcome your childhood trauma and live a full life. It's never too late to work through your childhood trauma. Every day of your life has value and does every step... (laughs) Every day of your life has value, as does every step of your recovery. If you're ready to take your life back, contact us today. And that is um, integrativelifecenter.com. Or you can Google, um, I don't even know where where this is, but you can Google it. Um, That was a famous thing that Beth used to say in almost every session. You should Google it. You can Google it. Uh, You know, if I had questions about things, you should Google it. Um, so I'm sorry that I kind of went off on little tangents about myself, but I just wanted you guys to understand in real life stuff, what childhood trauma can look like, you know, uh, maybe be more aware when you're around your children or other people's children or whatever, because I don't know, I'm not saying your behavior directly affects your children or other people's children. But it could. Um, next week, or in two weeks, I'm decide, I don't know if I'm going to do bi-weekly or weekly. But I'm going to do an article or read an article about self-esteem. <sighs> kind of did this one for myself. I'm a little bit selfish on that because I need help with that. Taking steps to feel better about yourself. So, this one, it's not really a long article, but it... Uh, it's helpful, and I might be able to pull some other resources too to um, give us some examples of things that we could do. I know when I was when I started grad school, one of the very first classes that I took was about uh, self um, self care <laughs> while you're in grad school and while you're a therapist. So I I don't remember, I'm sure, I've talked about grad school a million times on this podcast, and I also think that I told you guys that I didn't finish grad school because my mom passed away and I just lost 100% interest in doing um, some private practice or some sort of center working with victims of childhood sexual abuse, adult victims typically, is what I was going for. Um... So last week, I just have to tell you this because I'm curious what other people would think. Um, Last week, I was having dinner with my old roommate and her boyfriend and her daughter, my husband, my stepson, and come to find out, this is the first time I ever met her boyfriend. He, oh gosh, he is the director of the program that I was in and that I quit. The exact program. Okay, you guys, I quit this thing like 10, nine or 10 years ago, nine years And I explained to him, I was like, you know, I was only like five classes away and, you know, it was just so much work and I just didn't have the mental desire uh, to go on. So he told me that 
he could take a look at my transcript and get me back into the program and get me the classes that I need to graduate and do the practicum or internship. And then I could get my master's. So I've been thinking about that for a week now because we went out last week. And I, my job is pretty demanding on my mental state sometimes. Um, but part of me wants to go back to get that degree to complete it. Um, because I was so close and I spent so much money. But then my other thought was I can keep the position that I have at my current job, which is in finance, but I could be on maybe a board of directors for a nonprofit place or I could volunteer. I, I'm not, I wouldn't be going to get education to have a career in mental health and addictions. It would be more of a, um, like a voluntary thing. I hope that makes sense. Um, so if you've been in a situation like this and sometimes, you know, um, I just <laughs> need opinions from other people. And when I started graduate school, I knew exactly what I wanted to do in my life. I had a plan. I was ready. I was going to you know, get my degree and then I was going to work in private practice and I was probably going to make considerably less money than I make now. But at the time, I didn't care. I wanted to help people and I wanted to work in mental health and I wanted people to understand that there is life after trauma. It's a lot of work, but it is so worth it. And that's the message that I, that's what I wanted to do with my life. And then it just kind of fell through, like the bottom fell out and I just didn't know what to do. So I've kind of accepted that my career choice is where I am now and I'm okay with that because I like my job. I like the people that I work with. Um, I just feel like, do you ever feel like maybe you just need a little bit more of something else? And I'm wondering if by meeting my friend's boyfriend who is the director of this program, if that might be God whispering, hey, you've got some more stuff to do. So I'm kind of not sure. Um, so that's where I am in my life. Um, we're heading the, the busy season at my job and I love it. Where I work in the trade show industry. So um, I might not be 100% every week or at the minimum excuse me, I will try to do every other week, have episodes um, for you guys, because this helps me too, just so you guys know. Um, I don't always do this for other people. Sometimes it's just for me, <laughs> but I hope that it helps you in some way. So I'm almost out of time, um, so I'm going to say goodbye now until next time, and feel free to join my Facebook group, which is... Um, Kept Secrets, a podcast about overcoming childhood trauma or abuse. I can't remember. But the little uh, square picture that's on my um, my podcast app or whatever, that's what's on this page. So you'll recognize it if you've seen it. Um, you can also email me at kepsecretspodcast at gmail.com. I still would really like to do 
a listener's section, you know, like a listener story thing. Okay, I got to go because I got nine seconds. I love you guys. Have a great week. Talk to you next time.